This is the Divorce is Not an Option podcast. Thanks for joining us. Hey, y'all. Please be sure to subscribe and follow our podcast so you can be automatically alerted when we produce a new episode. Okay, so this week we're talking about an article posted on Ebony.com by Chantel Jameson. Uh, it was posted on January 5th. The article is titled, This Couple Saved Their Marriage by Asking One Important Question. I love this article, and I'm going to read my favorite parts. For years, Richard and Carrie Evans struggled with their marriage. According to NBC, they were on the brink of ending things, but that was until they decided to ask each other one simple question. How can I make your day better? Really, it's amazing how underrated that question is. But, you know, right? for some reason, people are getting married and then they relax. You know, as <laughs> yeah. if their partner, yeah, they relax as if their partner, I like, oh, like that. <laughs> you know, I'm married and I can chill. And uh, they just think for some reason that their partner is supposed to take on a bigger share of the load. You know what? You made a comment um, a little while back. Um, that just fits in here is, and you basically said that you should always be striving to be better for your partner. Always. And, and better in every way. Like I've met couples or, or, or husbands or wives who are just comfortable in the amount of money they made. I'm like, no, you're supposed to be making more money. You know what I mean? Like every year you need to get a raise or get a new job or add a certification or get under de- okay. another degree. Now I will say in that situation, if your spouse is happy with where you are, I don't think you force people to to keep moving professionally if that's not where, you know, their passion is. No, no. I'm not saying like I put pressure on my wife. I'm saying that all of us should pressure on put pressure on ourselves to earn more. You know, life costs more. You know, I yeah. got to pay for college. Soon. That's your thing. I'm saying like there are folks who are perfectly happy with have, wherever they are and that's fine. I'm saying though, whatever's important to your spouse. Like I think each couple has to choose whatever that means being better for your spouse. Yeah. um, Yeah. I agree with you on that. But what I'm just trying to say is, is that, is that we owe it to like, if I'm away from home, if I'm away from my wife, I need to be earning money. You know what I mean? Like that. Now that's my personal opinion. I'm not going to put that on nobody else. Okay. If you put it that way, I see, I see where you're going with that. Right. Like I'm, I'm and again, I'm not trying to put that. That's not for everybody, but I'm just not going to be running around somewhere doing a bunch of free volunteer things. I do some things for the church. <laughs> you know, I'm always don't laugh because I'm always doing stuff for the church. It's like, like that. Okay. <laughs> you know, all the time. But it's like I can't I can't be like you had to pay me to be away from my family. And so if I'm away from my family, then I'm earning things for to bring home to my family. Okay. And so I can't just be out somewhere doing whatever. You know what I'm saying? And, and not be able to show what I did when I was away from my family. Otherwise, I'd rather be with my family. Okay. And so, you know, that's just how I look at it in terms of. And so what I, I what I wanted to say to people was just don't be stagnant. You know what I mean? You can't like even if you like your job and you making say you making 50,000 a year for, you know, 10 years. Mm-hmm. That's too long, man, because because at that 50,000. Don't go Wait. as far as it did when you first started making 50,000. Not at 50,000 you make. It need to be 65. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so I don't know if you can find a similar job at another company or if you like your role or whatever, but I think that we owe it to ourselves and our families to continue to earn. Like maybe you're not as aggressive as I am, but you should want to continue to earn more and more money. Agreed. So one of the things um, you were saying was, you know, that we people just start relaxing as they get married and they start chilling. And um, you made a comment to some stay at home wives. What'd you tell them? I told him if you if you don't work, you work for your husband. 
and family. Let me say it like that. If you and don't work, you work for your husband. Go over. Uh, they don't like it. They didn't like it at all because <laughs> you know I don't care if they don't like it. But but it but but people like it was a wife who said to me one time. Well, my husband doesn't eat breakfast. I was like, hey, what do you do for your husband? Like y'all, they're, they're having a tough time. You know, he's traveling, working, providing for the family. She doesn't work. The kids are all in school. So it's not like you got an infant at home or something like that. The kids are all in school. So I was like, what do you do for your husband? She was like, well, he don't need nothing for me. He don't, he don't need me to do anything. Oh, wow. And I was like, and I was like no, you still should do something. He, she was like, well, I said, do you make breakfast or something when you leave out in the morning? She was like, no, he don't eat breakfast. He make a shake. I said, make a shake. Does she make, She's, yeah. And she was like, well, I don't, you know, I don't know what he wants to do. I said, figure it out. Oh Ask him stuff. You know what I mean? Like, and, and so I was, huge. She has a huge, huge opportunity for those who are working. It's a little bit harder, you know, managing time, but she has a huge opportunity to provide for her husband. Right. To make him happy, to make his life easier. Her life is very easy. And I just found that a lot of women that were, that were, that were stay-at-home moms who, who once they get to the point where they're not watching the infant all day or watching the small, once the kids are in school, let's say it like that. Right. So it'd be very clear. Once the kids are in school, they were kind of st- stuck in the mode of, um, you know, just having the expectation of somebody to help out when really the, the load is lighter. I had another stay-at-home mom who kept the house immaculate, right? She worked her butt off to keep the house clean. The husband comes home from working, you know, three days on a road or something like that. He get a glass of juice, leave a glass on the counter. She blow a gasket. Like, you need to put that in the sink. Like, dead serious. Like, don't, I, I work too hard to keep this house clean for you to be putting, and, and I get that. I get you don't be cleaning up behind somebody and all that kind of thing, but he put money in the account for you to go do the God. I said, I asked him, I said, what does your wife do all day? He's like, man, I have no idea. She cleaning that house. But, but no one's there. And so I'm like, I'm like, yes, no clean up after yourself. The kids are but school, they still there. The kids are at school, but she got seven hours a day of, 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 I don't even remember all the soap operas no more. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what she's doing. They gone. Mm-hmm. You know? And so, so even if you don't have seven hours, right? Mm-hmm. Say you got three hours to yourself a day unbothered. Mm-hmm. Who has that? You know what I'm saying? Like, like on a regular day, like, and she was like, well, I got to do things. I got to sweep. I got to mop. I got to foreclose. Okay. You sweep on Monday. You mop on Tuesday. You foreclose on Wednesday. What are you doing on Thursday and Friday? You know what I'm saying? And, and really you can do all of that stuff in one day. Houses ain't getting that dirty. They have one kid. It ain't getting that bad. <laughs> okay. One kid. Well, you know? well, okay. Yeah. I, I feel you. You're absolutely right. So. Another part in the article I wanted to part, talk about. It said it said the Salt Lake City couple got married when they were twenty one years old. So they've been married for some years, like like twenty four yeah, years. Yeah, they're like fifty. Yeah, they're fifty now. He said, according to Evans, the husband, the two had unrealistic expectations about the commitment that they had signed up for. That's real talk. That is real talk because we all get married, and whether we want to admit it or not, we all have some set of expectations in our mind about how marriage is supposed to go. The, go ahead. I was about to say, and we usually end up for a rude awakening. <laughs> and and the issue is, okay, this is the, I'm gonna break down the expectation part. The issue is what expectation is, is that your expectation is built on a dream until you get married. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and so you you you're a young lady or a young man, you know, for example, let's start with men. Men grow up thinking, okay, my wife is gonna cook every single day and she was ready to you know to to, to toot it up every single night, mm-hmm. you know, at home. 
That's just what we believe. That's what we think it is. That's the fantasy that we have. The woman has a fantasy that my man is going to be so romantic and so every single day, so loving, so caring. He's going to be in <laughs> touch with my feelings. I'm not going to ask for anything. I'm, he's just going to buy osmosis, know what I need. Right. right? And so, you know, and I'm like, no, that's just not how it works. And your expectation should be based off the person that you're actually marrying, the person that you've actually spent time with. And that is even adjusted after marriage because we think we have these expectations based on who we know when we're dating and when we're engaged to them. And then you get married and it's yet another person. Yeah. And it's disappointing too, when people have difficulty adjusting their expectations, because what I found, again, I'll give you a good example of adjusting my expectations. When I, when I got married, like I was super corporate dude and my wife was the opposite of super corporate dude. And so over the years, you already know where I'm going with this. Over the years, she became super corporate chick, and I became dude that could barely keep a job just because I don't want to. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I, I get jobs like, whatever I want. You know what I'm saying? I get them. I, I get them no problem, but I just don't like working for the man. You, you know what I'm saying? You so know. I get in, right? I get in there, make a bunch of money, and take off some months and hustle and do books and do speaking events and travel and do things. I don't like sitting at a desk forever. And so, but the funny thing about it was, what I did not appreciate about her when we first got married, first got married, I'm like, okay, you. I looked at her on occasion as if she was a little bit inconsistent or maybe she didn't have the, the proper direction or just a lot of ugly judgments that I kind of made about her, not consciously, but just like, I'm more stable. I'm more this and that because I'm established and I know what I'm doing I'm with corporate now. America. Now. And boom, she didn't have the same job. <laughs> For like seven years, you know what I'm saying? Like, and she keep getting promoted, and she keep earning more money. Meanwhile, in seven years, I probably had about ten jobs. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like people tripping off their ten jobs. You gotta know me to really understand how I do a job. Sometimes I have two jobs at once. Sometimes I got no jobs for six months, and I'm hustling <laughs> and doing things. And and I do it. I'm 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 just a different. We'll talk about jobs. Yes, but you always make sure your family is taken care of, and that's that's the. Point. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Don't get me wrong. You know, we both got nice rides. The house is paid. You know, everything is great at the house. My wife is very happy. My son go to summer camps and basketball camps. My daughter got all the fancy clothes. <laughs> Money goods. Say we this year, 2018, we are directing more to savings. Directing more to uh to tax not tax um. What am I saying? 401k. We talked about uh-huh. the show uh-huh. So yeah, the, me me not working means that I have money and I'm trying to make more money. And so, so to me, having a job is like the minimum requirement to me. Right, right. You know, like I, I can do that anytime. Anybody can get a job. That's how I feel. Like if you work hard, you hustle. And so for me, having a job is like foundational. Like I, I can do that. That's easy. Anytime I go get one of okay, those. Okay, so let's bring it back. So the point that you were making in there somewhere was that we need to continue to adjust our expectations, not even, and I was just talking about when you first get married and realize that the real person is a little bit deeper than what you thought, but over the years, as your yes. marriage grows, you have to continue adjusting your ex- expectations. So, and so what I was trying to say in that was my, uh, the lack of appreciation I had for other things. My wife, my wife was a, a, a actress when we first met. I had no appreciation for that skill set. Well, then look, what do you know? I'm on TV. I'm on radio. I'm doing, you know, trying to do reality shows and videos. And she, and she is the one who's telling me, Hey, you need to spend more time working on your face because your acne getting crazy. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm like, oh, I, I didn't even look at myself like like I'm worried about TV. She was the one who said you need to change up how you look at all. Like if you go back to my earlier videos, I'm like the angry black man on TV. And she <laughs> and she was like, boo, you're scaring all the white people. And I was like, she, she, she made me sit down and look at myself on TV because I, I wasn't doing that. I wasn't analyzing, you know, my performance or how I looked on TV. That was a skill set that she had. So something that I undervalued brought us great value later. It's awesome how God just brings those things together. Mm-hmm. So the article um, continues. And um, another part that I really liked was when the husband says, I loved her. I knew I loved her. She loved me, but we just didn't know how to make it work. And I think a lot of people are in that, you know, I I just don't know how to make this work. We're, we're just struggling right now. Yeah, that's disappointing. Um because people don't have the attitude of working on it. Like they don't have the attitude of like, like what I try to teach people to do, I, I call it when, you, when people come to me for relationship coaching, I try to identify the problem identifier or the problem solver. Like, mm-hmm. like it's always one person that comes in and all they can do is identify problems. That's all, <laughs> right. that's all I can do. Right. It's just complain and complain and complain. They have no solutions. They just want to complain and just want someone to say, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. He tripping or yeah, she tripping or whatever. And I just tell them to their face, like, you're not a problem solver. And in marriage, we need both spouses to be a problem solver. And so what Evans did, you, you can go, you speak to that a little bit. Too. I was just about to say, I mean, like, it was very simple just to say, okay, my problem is I'm not connecting with my spouse. Let me just focus on how can I make her day better? And I think that was just beautiful. And the way he says it was a matter of humility and it was a matter of saying, okay, I will do whatever it takes to make this work. And so when you say I will do whatever it takes, that goes in line with divorce is not an option. So what that means is, is that every day you come home or for them, it was every morning saying, Hey, what can I do to make your day better? You know, or, and every night is for me saying, Hey, um, how was your day? Um, what else can I do? Just double checking. Like I tell people all the time that for me, I'm always in competition for my wife. Like I told a client that this week and they're like, what do you mean? Once you marry him, you're not in competition for him. I'm like, I know she's not going nowhere, but she's not going nowhere. Cause I, I compete for her love and her affection, her attention. And they're like, who are you competing with? I'm like, I'm, I'm competing with myself. You know what I mean? I, I, I won, but it's still like, I still got to be on my toes. I still got to be on my game. I, I can't let myself go and let, and you know, act like if I gain 300 pounds, like she's still going to love me the same. <laughs> if I'm a broke dude, like I don't believe in none of that. I don't believe, yeah, I'm broke. Right. Like I don't believe in, I'm broke. You're supposed to stay with me forever. I don't believe in all. I'm sorry. I don't believe in that. Like I attracted, it was certain things about me that attracted her. And I need to keep that going and improve on that. Yes. As long as you are physically able. No doubt. And so the part I wanted to emphasize in Article 2, he says his wife was hesitant to believe he was sincere initially. So as she would test him, she told him to clean the kitchen, for example. Um, he would clean. He, he did and asked her the same question the next morning. What can I do to make your day better? She responded by telling him, clean the garage. So he did that also. And then Evans asked his wife the next day and she told him that there was nothing he could do. But for two weeks straight, he asked his wife, how can I make your day better? That is so sweet. And she was just like, (laughs) she said she was kind of floored. And she finally was like, okay, um, I should be asking you that. And then her response was, can we just maybe spend some time together? So I think 
I applaud the fact that he had the humility to say, okay, I'm just going to focus on what I can do to make your day better. Um, and to go through that for two weeks with her looking at him crazy and I don't want nothing or go clean a garage or, you know, like whatever response that she was giving that was not really responsive to what he was trying to get. Um, so I think it was just awesome that he had the humility to just keep going and persist. The humility to to keep going to yeah, and persist, and I also like the fact that that it only took two weeks. See, that's the that's the misunderstanding that people have that are in difficult marriages right now is that they think it's going to take you know moving a mountain to fix their marriage. Right. When in actuality, most of the time, it's simple things like right. paying closer attention to me, you know, taking me out on a date, you know, acknowledging something that I did for the family. You know, giving me some appreciation, making an extra phone call. I mean, literally, I had a client this week where I actually walked through day by day what I wanted them to do. I was like, hey, I need you to call your wife every day when she's at work. Call her. Five-minute conversation. She she wants to hear from you. And, I, and don't get me wrong, I'm not good at that either. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, it's something I, I got to consciously work on, too, because my wife likes it, too. But I'm familiar with it. You know, and I think I make a good effort so she don't always, you know, I, I drop off every once in a while. <laughs> to be honest, yeah, she, she, I'm thinking about when she hit this podcast, what would she say? So let me go and confess and yeah, say yeah. I drop off. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I drop off every once in a while. But it's definitely something that I want to do. I understand the importance. I'm never going, you know, downplay it like it's not necessary. She wants to. Hear, what was funny about my wife, too, is is she wants to at least hear my voice. It's not even necessarily she wants to have a conversation. Right. I started leaving my wife voice memos. Right. Where I just call and say, hey, honey, hope you're having a great day. I love you. And I found that she just loved me, you know, acknowledging you her and her. saying something that I thought about her. And that made just all the difference in the world. So I'm working with men on even. And so going back to the point was in, in two weeks, he changed their marriage. But there's two sides man. to that. There's two sides to that because, um, yeah, like you could have a bad marriage for five years that could be changed in two weeks. But there's also the persistence because there are the folks mm-hmm. who will be like, I didn't clean the garage. I didn't clean the kitchen. It's day three. What's wrong with you? Right. And I and I teach men, I prepare men for a bunch of stuff like that. I tell, tell, tell my men that we have to be consistent first. See, see, the thing the woman was looking for over those first two weeks was consistency. She she wanted to make sure that, hey, if I give you my love back, that you're not going to hurt me again yeah. by, you know, ignoring me or, or <coughs> whatever he was doing before. Until, yeah, you just doing this to make me feel good. And then, you know, it's perhaps. <laughs> Right. And so so once you exhibit consistency in a woman, I believe woman is powerless to uh, against a man that really shows her love. I Women want to be powerless. loved. You don't want me to tell all y'all secrets? I got to put it like that. <laughs> powerless. Just, oh my God, he loved me so much. Y'all don't know what to do. Y'all just want a man to love y'all so bad. You? Okay, wow. You ain't got to make folks sound desperate. You have any points. Yeah. But it's um, okay to be it's okay to be desperate for your husband's love. Okay. All right. Anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. Tell all the secrets. It's okay to be desperate for your husband. I mean, I, I desperately women, want my I wife's say love. Women are vulnerable to their men. But and so and and the, and the point about that is is that all you got to do is love her, man. Just pay attention to her. You know, just these simple tasks, these honeydews that they want you to do. Just knock them out for my, the 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 simple thing, the the simplicity of how this person went about the Evans family saving their marriage is that he worked on it for two weeks and he did simple things like cleaning the kitchen, cleaning out the garage, putting gas in a car, right. you know, taking out the trash, so not not moving, not you know, he didn't invest and buy bitcoins and all that or whatever, you know what I mean, like. 
He didn't have to build a new house on the back. You know what right. I mean? Like it's simple things. That right. You do. Just do, just do. And what I got out of it, my final thought on it was, was just do what you can. Well, right? yes. Yeah, so, and he said that um, this has absolutely improved their relationship. And she said um, that as soon as the trust was there and he was thinking, he really likes me. He really is getting nothing out of this. And he really just wants this meaning their marriage, there's no ulterior motive, and he really was out to save their marriage, um, she just felt loved and cared for, and it just turned their marriage around completely. Yep, perfect. Uh, yeah, that's an article again on ebony.com, so check out that article. Pretty awesome and pretty simple. What can I do to make your day better? Um, so now, do you have anything interesting from the relationship couch? Actually, I do. I had a couple that um, I basically told to start having sex again. They weren't having sex. Not having sex. Young couple, I mean, like mid thirties. I mean, well, mid to late thirties. Um, no kids. Um, successful. Uh, See, just kind of got off track. How does that happen? Like, how do you just? You ain't got no kids. You, I mean, uh, I don't even understand. I'm gonna tell you how it happened. What happened was, um, the woman felt like they're not connected emotionally. And the man is like, I'm trying to trying to I'm trying I'm tired of trying to connect with Did you. Did you tell him to ask you know? her how she, what he could do for her today? Absolutely. Definitely sent him sent him the ebony article. Good. Um def, definitely encouraged him to say, hey, look at it from her, you know, perspective and spend more time with her. Um plan more events. Um plan planned actually cooking dinner together and eating dinner together and, and not always you know trying to watch the game. you know, going, you know and so, so I, I gave them a deadline, like, "Hey, y'all need to start having sex in two weeks," you know. And so I'm, I'm looking forward crazy. to. Crazy. Yep. Like, and there, I mean, like, and and he says he wants to have sex, of course. Yeah. And she says that she wants to have sex, and so I ran through a whole gamut of questions to like make sure that there was no, um, there was nothing intrinsically wrong with their sexual, like nothing. I don't know. Maybe that's not the right word, but just. Like, make sure she wasn't sexually harassed, there was no sexual abuse, um, no molestation early in her life. You know, make sure there's no sexual issue. You know what I mean? Like, you're free and open yeah. and ready to have sex. Yeah. And she said, no, no physical, there's no no other reason. It's just that they're not connecting. And so, yeah. That, that is so wild. Yeah, to be that young in their marriage and to basically not have sex and and for the, it's basically like a standoff. Like the dude was like, "I'm not asking for none," and she's like, "Well, he ain't asking for none," you know. And then you know what I mean? It's, and it's, 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 she not she not even gonna try. I don't. I ain't asking what she was doing about her urges and all that. You know what I'm saying? Maybe dude just go off and just shake one out or something like that. You know what I mean? But I don't know. Maybe she does something too, right? We can make that assumption. Yeah, I guess. but. I'm- Oh, okay. I'm like, I'm not understanding. You have somebody else in the bed with you and you both want sex and you don't. I don't understand. Right. And that just that's just a great example of how sometimes in marriage we just go off track and we have no idea how to get back on track. And so I just gave them simple things to do and, and encouraging them to get back on track. And I have to follow up like every two or three days. Like, hey, how's your communication? 
How are you guys talking? Are you guys, and I gave them simple things to do in terms of getting their affection back on track. Like one of the things I believe in is that when you get in the bed with your with your spouse is that you touch each other. Like I believe in kinetic kinetic energy, not sexual yeah, energy. Yeah. Kinetic, kinetic energy, like like my elbow on her arm or my knee on her thigh. Or, you know, I, I don't have to do a whole snuggle, you know what I mean? But we close to each other. Right. I like the spoon. I, 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 I give you 10 of the best spoon minutes ever. That's all I got in me about 10 minutes, you know what I'm saying? But, you know what I'm saying? But, I, but I'm, I, I'm going hard for that 10 minutes. You know what I mean? But after that, I'm hot, you know? And so, but, you know, so I gave them that. I told them that when they're on the couch, they'll be close to each other. You know, you ain't got to sit on each other's lap. You ain't got to do affection for 15 minutes, but just, you know, do more. Right, right. All right. So, current events. Go ahead. What do you got? Um. Okay. Aside from our crazy president who is continually saying racist things, um, <laughs> I'm not, not even not even highlight anymore. It's not I, even. I, I just can't. I can't. That and all the prostitutes. Did you hear about that? Yeah, he paid somebody one hundred thirty thousand dollars to not oh, talk. No, no, that was one prostitute. His lawyer paid, oh. but then they came out. Steve Bannon has said that there have been there were hundreds of prostitutes during the campaign that the lawyers were paying off. Hundreds. Oh wow! Hundreds. I didn't hear that. Yes. Anyway, okay. So moving on from the racist, bigoted, what it was the word cheating? I guess president. Um. I listened to a good segment this week on student loans by Suze Orman. It kind of goes into what we were talking about um, before with the money and the finances. And one, th- one thing that she said that just really stuck out was student loan is like the worst loan you can have. Period. What, is it? what does that mean? Um, we don't think about this, but like your mortgage loan, if you take a mortgage loan out for $300,000, your principal never grows over $300,000. You take a student loan out for $100,000, that principal has the potential to grow. So 10 years down the road, you could be paying on that student loan for 10 years and now you owe one fifty. See, well, people will look at that and say, well, my student loan has grown. Yeah. You know, or, or, no, they'll, or they'll say, no, I bought a $300,000 house, but I'm going to pay $900,000. So what do you mean it's not going to grow? Well, the interest is growing, um, but you still have the potential. Let me think. No, no, no. No, you know what? I got to answer yeah, that, that very difficult question. Oh, ooh, I stomped her. I stomped her. <laughs> Actually, what I thought about was when I signed my loan paperwork, it tells me the amount right there, and that amount does not grow. Okay. So if I buy a house for three hundred thousand, it's going to tell me that you're going to pay nine hundred thousand, and that nine hundred thousand amount is not going to grow, right? But then the student loans, they don't tell you like that. Student loans is just whatever it is, and then it just goes and grows and grows. And the reason why, I grow, go ahead. I'm just thinking, so maybe it's not really different um, in that aspect. It's just that for some reason, the student loan, it, I guess it's the same thing as, as um, credit cards. Like you automatically assume that you're paying the minimum amount that you're knocking something out and your your loan is still growing while you're paying on this loan. And you know what it could be? It could be that when you get a mortgage, they don't allow you to pay the minimum amount. 
Exactly. You have to you have to monthly eat at that loan. You don't have I wonder to I wonder loan. I wonder if there's a ratio like like I bet it is some kind of regulatory like if you have a mortgage then your payment should be, you know, 15% or you know what I mean like your payment is 4% oh, of your mortgage every month. Oh, oh, I remember there were two other reasons. So one, if you go into bankruptcy, um your house gets foreclosed on you no longer owe that loan. You still right. owe student loans. Right. You can't you can't just bankrupt and cancel your student loans. The other thing is if you don't pay your student loans, so say you get $20,000 student loan at um, age 25, by the time you are 80, your student loan is $75,000, um, they will garnish your Social Security check. <laughs> so you can be a granny and not be able to afford to put food on the table. The government does not care. They're getting their money. Yeah, and that's that's because the student loans are backed up by government. So yeah, they they will definitely take that cheese. But I think the biggest thing for me as a person who still owes student loans is that um is that I, I like like I said about the minimum amount that you pay. You know, so it's the only loan that I feel like I feel like it was, I was almost set up or I was I was I was it was predatory lending. I feel like that's the word I want to use. Like with my mortgage. I'm paying off my mortgage. It's going down. I can see that every month. I think a larger percentage of what I pay goes to the principal and not as much to the interest. Maybe that's another regulatory thing, right? Like maybe, you know what I'm saying? Like the two, So it might be two regulatory things that, you know, when you get a mortgage, maybe it's regulatory that you pay 3% of the mortgage every month. But on a student loan, you don't have to pay 3%. You only could pay a half a percent it's, or something like that. You know government I mean? hustle. And then, you know, student loans, you know, um, you uh, you can make a payment and all the payment go like 100 percent of the payment can go to prep to interest mm-hmm. in student loans i'm just making an assumption now regular but in a, but in a mortgage uh 100 of your payment cannot go to interest right. maybe it's it's got to be some reasons why as a student loan is difficult to pay off i i the government has figured it out and we apparently just not as fast as they are or as advanced uh, uh, I would have thought this has been one of those topics that Tamara would have just figured out for us and told well, us. Well, I know. Yeah. I have not figured out why yet because I haven't actually dug into student loans. Um, thank God I was blessed not to have any. Um, but I just was, I was listening to Suze Orman and just was amazed at one, the fact that the government can garnish your social security check over this, that they intentionally want your student loan to grow to huge, ridiculous numbers. Um, and that when you file bankruptcy, it does not include student loans. This is true. Uh, last words, anything else? Um, it's all a hustle. Keep your money, people. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. This has been the Divorce is Not an Option podcast. Bye, y'all. <laughs>